0: Accidentally muted. We'll take that as a work of the evil one, not God telling me to be quiet. Well, my name is Drew Smith, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here. Welcome to all of you that are with us here physically, and those that are with us online as as well. We're in a, a journey this Lenten season. This season is we're preparing for uh, the, the the full meaning of the crucifixion and the resurrection Uh, we are gathering uh, now in this this season as we prepare for that day and and we're on a journey uh, the the better way as the choir just led us uh, that we're ordering our steps we're asking the Lord to order our steps in, in the way that that Jesus would have us live we're we're on this journey together and often you know you've Probably all been on journeys of some kind—in a car, on a bicycle, on your feet, you're walking—and there are a variety of things that help you. Good habits when you're on a journey that help you stay on the right path, and that's what we'll look at today. Some, some of the what are some of those good habits that that Jesus talks about? But you know, you're. Had a good friend that we actually a good friend of, of many of us who's not here to defend himself, um, but who will be here next weekend. Uh, but he was on a journey in the mountains out in the west of the United States, and he he was asleep. But whoever was at the wheel forgot that good habit of looking at the gas gauge. And in the middle of the mountains, in the out, out in the middle of nowhere, they ran out of gas. And there was no exit to walk to. There weren't many people coming by. And it took three hours for AAA to get there. Uh, But they did. So good habits like looking at the gas gauge. Good habits like looking at the map and being sure these days that Google Maps is turned on. And that the volume is on. So that as my wife and I one day having a wonderful journey going to Nashville, Tennessee, we get on seventy-five, seventy-one, going south, we cross the river, and we're just talking and carrying on, and next thing you know, we're next to Lexington. We're like, I thought that turn on 71 was before Lexington. And you know, I think you're right, honey. Sure enough, what happened? Well, the volume on Google was down so we didn't hear that. So we had a nice little scenic drive through Kentucky on Highway 64. Yeah, you know, that's one of those wonderful things. So it's a good thing to have some good habits when we're on this, this journey together. We need to be checking the map regularly. Checking the gauge. We need to be listening to the right voices as we're on this journey together. So we'll we'll look here from Jesus... Some of the things that he tells us in the Gospel of Mark. Here are some good good habits for us to have. So that we will go the better way. Let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is among us, who points us to Jesus, who em- empowers and leads us in the way. And we, we do indeed want you to order our steps according to your goodness, your beauty, and your your love. So, um, Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that is ready to receive from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, our, our first... Um, First passage here is in Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 25. And this is Jesus speaking to his, his disciples. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The uh, first thing that Jesus is getting at here is he's saying that the lamp comes in the room to shine and Jesus is the lamp. This is in the context of the parable where Jesus talks about planting seed as the word. And different soils take that seed. If you read right before it, that's what he's telling them. And he's telling them that I'm the lamp. I'm the seed. I'm the word of God. And I've come among you. I haven't come here to be under a bushel or under the bed. I'm here on a stand. And the real question is, what are you going to do with me? Pay attention, he says. Pay attention to what you're hearing from me. Because unless you use it, you will lose it. Pay attention because what you do with that, if you take it in and you apply it and you do it in your life, then it's going to multiply. The return will always be increasing. But if you don't, then you'll lose even what you got. So pay attention. So the first point here, pay attention to what God is saying to you on this journey. Pay attention to what God is saying to you. This is not something that just sort of happens as we think about it along the way. Otherwise, we'll be driving towards Atlanta when we should be going to Nashville. We got to be aware. Have to pay. I like the sense pay attention. It costs something. We only have one attention. This multitasking, it's been proven over and over again. It doesn't work. We don't multitask. We have one attention. So it costs us something to be sure we're paying attention. And and paying attention means that we then activate, we do something with it. Uh, Last week, for, for those that were here, you remember I had the pyramid of education, the pyramid of learning, Um. And this this is that pyramid of learning. Remember, we talked about how lecture, we remember 5% in a lecture, 10% of what we read, 20% of audiovisual. So you see, just having this slide, that's audiovisual. So now we're engaging you at least 20%. 20% you'll percent—you'll remember. And then it goes on down to what's demonstrated, to what's discussed, to then what is practiced, and then what is taught to others. Now, so notice this. You see, this is, this illustrates what Jesus is saying. The more you do with it, the more it applies. The the more you learn and grow. And if you just sit and listen, usually you get 5%. But if you discuss it, like in a growth group, shameless plug, not even a plug, a realization that in small groups when we're discussing it, even it's around your family at the lunch table, Somebody take the lead at lunch and say, Hey, what's God teaching you today? Somebody take that lead at your lunch table. Make, make that your habit. But then look, look what ha- and happens. You discuss it 50%. You see what, what you're using then multiplies. You stay at the five and you lose 95. But then 90, the 90, you, then you teach others. You engage with people who maybe are in your, Uh, Your surroundings, who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus, don't know God, and they're curious of what is happening. You start to teach others uh, about it. Again, that can be parent, grandparent to grandparent to grandchildren to to your children in Sunday school and other places. Again, I I mentioned this last week. This is why I get all the benefit of this. I'm at ninety percent. Y'all are at five, unless you do more. Yeah, you know, this is just a great deal. I'm sorry, but that's how it's worked out for y'all. So, if there's a line at my my office door saying, "I'm ready to preach." You know, then y'all come on. Will then that that'll then multiply it all the more. But you, this is Jesus saying, "Use it, you lose it." But you use it, and then it doesn't. You don't just stay with it; it multiplies. That, so, pay attention to what God is saying to you. So, one of the the good habits here. Is to ask that question: What is God saying to you today? To take that time, pull out your journal, pull out a piece of paper, pull out your phone that's got notes on it, and take your take notes. If it's just by yourself in the silence of the moment, in the presence of the Spirit, to take time regularly and ask, "What does God teach me?" And, and and write that down, or write it down. Or talk about it with with others. But that's a core holy habit. Because uh, the great news is God is always teaching us something. It's uh, Because there's always room for us to grow and experience His love and beauty even more deeply. and, And to continue to honor and glorify Him more beautifully. But take that... Make that habit. What is God teaching me? And then the second question, and then what am I going to do with it? Because I don't just want to know it. Jesus actually says, you you read my word and you know it, you're a fool. You build your house on the sand. The wise person is the one who reads my word and does it and builds his house on the rock. So we want it to multiply. But What is God teaching me and what do I do? That's a holy habit of life. All right, Mark 7. The next habit, verses 1 through 23. A little longer story, but gives you this this story of uh, Jesus talking with the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes of his day. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who'd come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me in vain. Do they worship me teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me as Corbin, that is giving to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you and understand there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he would entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, there are you also without understanding. Do you not see? that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared, all food's clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things. Jesus leaders come around Jesus. They got a lot of traditions, a lot of rituals, a lot of things. that They're not bad. It's good things. It's good to wash your hands. It's good to wash uh, your pots and pans. I'm not sure about dining couches, but that's a whole nother thing to talk about later. Uh, but the, that's those are good things. But they have become focused on those Traditions. And they've forgotten, literally, the heart of the matter. Again, that, that can be us. We can get really focused on the traditions. We can get focused on a lot of good things that we're doing. But we get, we get lost on the heart of the matter. Which is our heart. The, the second habit that, that on this journey is that we have to focus on the why of your heart. Focus on the why of your heart. Now, the, the heart is. Us, uh, the, the heart, like we talked about in the call to worship, even. You know, we're asking God, you got to change our hearts, our hearts. Oh, they're, they're misplaced. They're, 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 they're broken they're, You're the one that had even given us the capacity to change um, our heart. But the, the heart is the command center of the body. The heart in, in the New Testament, it, it's the place that is the command center. It's, it's the place uh, where we, we find and it, it captures our emotions, our desires, our, our commitments, our, our motives. That's what's going on in the, the heart. It is that place that is the, the center. Of good and evil within us. It's the origin of good and evil within us. That's what ultimately Jesus is changing. Uh, Proverbs 4.23. I think we've got a part of that. Everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you do flows from your heart. Proverbs 4.23, right before it, he says, guard your heart. Be vigilant. Pay attention to your heart because everything flows from your heart. Jesus tells us here that we want to ask why because it's out of our heart that evil comes. So when we, when we react, we respond, when we do things that are evil, when we're, when we're lusting, when we're envious, when we're greedy, when we're selfish, you know, ask, hmm, why? What's happening there? Now, I know this can be a scary journey. It can be a really scary journey. I went one on just this week. And yet, it was scary to ask, "Who? why did I respond? What? What fear, what defensiveness was within me? But what I've found over and over and over and over and over and over and over again is that God is faithful. And He is slow to anger, quick to forgive, and filled with steadfast love. He's absolutely the safest place To say, let's inspect this. Let's inspect this. What, what it within me responds defensively when, when questioned sometimes. What is it within me that, that wants to be right? What, what is it within me that somehow thinks my value comes from being right? Making good decisions. Well, why is it that, that my I sense my leadership is only valid according to how the decisions are made or what decisions are made and the results of those decisions? And what happens when that is what is in my heart instead of, no, what's God telling me? How do I obey God? How do I love? When When that is in my heart, then that leads to being defensive, envious, angry arrogant. Because if the decisions go well, then somehow I take credit for it. And it leads to arrogance, pride, ingratitude. When they go bad, then blaming, anger, competing with others, Instead of rejoicing with those that rejoice, those that seem to make right decisions better than me, doing better than me on whatever scale I'm using, I begrudge them instead of love them. Lord, man, you've you, you got to take care. you got to help me. And that was just this week. It's a hard place, but it's a good place. And it is safe. In his hands. But that's, that's a holy habit. Is then us asking the, the question. Why did I respond in that way? What is going on in my heart? To feel this way. To take this action. Because what I want. Is then. To turn. As so I turn to the Lord. To then be reminded. No. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So that want and that fear, they're not coming from me walking with God. They're coming from me making something else my shepherd instead of God. And that, friends, is a joyous part of the journey. To identify where are those things? Where, where are the bumps in the road? Where are the potholes? Where, where are the, the mixed up signs on this journey? They're in here. They're in us. And to invite the Lord into that is what leads to, to life. To identify the heart issue. So, is your, other, another thing. Another question when you're taking out that journal, your phone, you're talking with a close loved one or a counselor or a pastor, an elder, whomever, another Jesus follower that you trust, you with the Lord, you with others, even in, in your your growth group. Good questions to discuss, to help one another. Why did I respond in that way? What is going on in my heart to lead to that action? Focus on the why of the heart. And then pray for God to reorder it. Psalm 139. The very end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the better way. That that that's another holy habit. Psalm 139 23 and 24. Alright, and then, lastly, Mark 12, verse 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. It's Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees and others. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, asked Jesus, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered. The most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The third question to ask, the third holy habit is to regularly be asking, how am I loving God and neighbor? Every other thing that is said, every other thing that you read falls under this basic guideline, be more loving. We're asking God, all right, clear, purify my heart, take, take my heart, what's going on in my heart? Because he wants to make us more loving towards others. Now, it's good though, we always have to be reminded, what is it to love? To, to love is to, to, is to act for the good of the other to the best of my ability. To lo- Christian love is to act for the good of the other to the best of my ability. How can I act in a way that is best for God? How can I act in a way that is best for the other? It moves the attention. It moves the attention off me onto thee. moves the attention off me onto you. Because what I find with my heart is it gets real selfish real quick. And it's also an action. It it changes sort of the the romantic notion of love, the sentiment. Which that's a there's a there's a place for that as well. But in this understanding of love, what Jesus is doing, we're we're not trying to conjure up feelings of attachment towards others. We're not trying to uh, come up with positive thoughts. No, we're trying to make action that is to the best of my ability, what is best for God and what is best for others. That's why Jesus says, "Love your enemies." Do for them what is best. I mean, enemies by definition are people you don't like. I mean, you don't have positive feelings toward people that are trying to kill you, literally, or who are hanging you on a cross. You know, but you act towards them in a way that is best. It mean that they're going to be happy about it. You know, there's plenty of times that the most loving thing you could do is to tell somebody no, and that will really tick them off. But it's what is best. You know, if if they're inebriated and you say, no, I'm not giving you your keys back. They might be ticked off in the moment. pitch a hissy fit. But it is what is best. And actions that serve the other, that, that love the other, may require personal sacrifice. It may actually hurt us. It may be difficult. But we follow the one who is our crucified Lord, raised from the dead. who, even though we were yet sinners, even though we were his enemies, he died for us on the cross. So our actions, are they what is best for the other? The best of our ability. And again, this is a, a habit here, you know, to form. Both again, taking out your journal or with your conversation, both review and preview. So there's a review looking back over the last couple of days is what I said, is what I did, was that the most loving thing? Lord, is that the most loving thing? And then I can lead to, okay, what was going on in my heart? Okay, Lord, what are you teaching me? But is that the most loving thing in that situation? Now, h- help me see what, what I can learn from that. And then, you can also, and I know, there, it, the group this size, people uh, watching, uh, there are people here, you're in the midst of making a decision. You've got a decision ahead of you. And there's a whole bunch of different rubrics you can use as to how to make that decision. This has to be one of them. This has to actually be the top of the list. Right. This decision that I have, this action that I'm going to take, what's the most loving thing I can do here?
1: And again, that doesn't
0: mean the person has to be happy. It may be saying no is the most loving thing, and it may even hurt. Uh, but what's the most loving thing? That is the question to explore as we look ahead. Lord, guide me. Teach me. Change my heart. That Maybe in your growth groups and small groups um, around the table today, maybe you've got a decision and and you're looking for the help and guidance of some other Jesus followers who are seeking to pursue this better way. Because doing what is the most loving to the best of my ability is not often a easy quick answer it, it may take a lot of work and we need one another so what why and how what's God saying what's God saying in the midst focus on the why of the heart and ask how can I be the most loving to God and to my neighbor Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for Jesus who modeled perfectly. One who regularly sat with you to hear your word, who spent time regularly among your people to hear your word, to proclaim your word, and whose heart was pure and who did it perfectly and enacted love in the most ultimate way. And we are thankful, Lord, for what He has done. Lord, we're we're thankful because now we don't have to do it in order to earn Your love or grace or mercy. You you have given that to us because He perfectly lived it out. And now we line up in His power, Lord, for Your Holy Spirit to lead us on this better way. Continue to show us what You're teaching us. Continue to empower us to, to apply it. Continue to do your your work of of changing our heart, making our heart more and more look like Jesus and to, to follow the one who went to the cross for us in the greatest act of perfect sacrificial love, that we would live in the same way. Loving you and neighbor. We offer ourselves to you so that what all that we do is in alignment with these holy habits. Individually and as a church so that we will go the better way. Father, we we take this time also and we lift uh, up before you just those in need of your healing touch and healing hand. Uh, Those uh, decisions and challenges that we have before us, uh, Lord, uh, how to be most loving. Lord, do your work in us. Those, those places as we reflect over the, the broken, the evil in our hearts, Lord, in your gentleness and kindness, reveal that to us. And in the, your your transforming power, continue to mold in us the, the fruit and to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit for your glory and honor. For we, Lord, desire to go the better way. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.